Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. There's no silver bullet for solving climate change. The problem's too complex, but countless companies are working on climate solutions. And by all accounts, the climate tech sector is booming. But if you're a startup with a big idea for addressing the climate crisis, who's going to lend you a hand? Well, Buoyant Ventures, for one. The women-led Chicago Venture Fund is pouring tens of millions of dollars into climate tech startups, working on net zero emissions, aquaculture, smart water heaters, solar power, and more. To learn more about how the fund is investing in what it calls digital solutions to climate change, we checked in with Buoyant co-founder and managing general partner Amy Fransetic and Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. Now, Amy kicks things off by telling us about her fund and what its mission is. Buoyant Ventures is an early stage investor in companies that are largely unprofitable, but have solutions to either help us reduce emissions and fight the sort of growth of climate change or help with climate change adaptation. And that might mean, you know, new ways to understand, um, you know, insurance, ways to protect lives and livelihoods that could be impacted by climate change, making infrastructure more resilient. And we usually make in, um investments anywhere between half a million dollars to five million dollars in these young companies and Mm -hmm. help them grow and scale up their solutions. I mentioned digital solutions to to climate change as part of your your mission there. How do you define that? Sure, sure. Yeah, we are very focused on these uh, software and simple hardware. And by simple hardware, we mean, um, you know, off the shelf sensors, cameras, drones, things that are not terribly complicated to manufacture, but that might be capturing unique data that can be used to um, to drive some kind of meaningful impact. And these are not the same as some of the hard tech, sort of more scientific investments that you might have been hearing about, like carbon capture, mm-hmm. battery chemicals, you know, hydrogen. Those are things that um, take a lot of capital and many, many more years to scale up. We're looking for solutions that can get to market right away and start to address this very urgent problem immediately. You're focused on what you call scalable solutions and nearest term solutions. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we sort of feel like we're paving the way to buy some time for some of those more ambitious technologies to mature. So if we can get these solutions in the market today, they might be helping to optimize or improve the production of solar power. They might be helping to make aquaculture um, you know, more sustainable. They might be helping people to shop for secondhand clothing more mm-hmm. easily. And that's all going to make an impact in the immediate term and uh, buy a little bit of time so that some of these more scientific solutions that other folks are working on could uh, mature. Let's bring you in, Karen, because you've said that uh, it, it's very exciting that, that Buoyant Ventures is based here in Chicago and that you love their approach. Well, of course, I'm a fan of any innovation that's driving solutions to climate that's in our fair city of Chicago. <laughs> um, but what's also incredibly important is that the city of Chicago has a very diversified economy. It essentially matches the nation. And a part of what's so interesting about Buoyant is they're finding solutions that can have impact right now across this economy. So it's not a one sector play and it's not waiting for solutions that will take 10 or 20 years and we also need those. It's looking right now for the way every sector can have a role in becoming a little bit better right now on climate and on what they're already doing. We often think of climate change as the the type of 
massive challenge that that nations will need to solve by by working together. What role can industry and startups in particular play in meeting climate goals? Because it could sound like too big of a job. Oh, it's a big job, uh, but it's a big job that we all have a part in. Yeah. So, so yes, nations must be involved. Cities, states, absolutely. Uh, but so can companies and so can startups. And the more you think about this as being a fundamental transformation that will decarbonize the economy and uh, make our economy and our communities more fair, the more you see that there's change that happens across the board, which means that opens an incredible amount of opportunities. And, and I would just add that it also is very profitable. I mean, these industries that are going to grow as a result of some of these changes and different kinds of energy, you know, renewable energy is really on the upswing. Electric vehicles are on the upswing. So there's a lot of great profits yeah. for these young high growth companies as well. Yeah. Well, let's dig into some of your work, Amy. I, I was scanning through some of the startups uh, that Buoyant is investing in. Really fascinating. I see that you're supporting a company that's working to decarbonize commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw another one that's trying to reduce the impact that the, the fashion industry has on our climate. Uh, solar tech, smart water heaters, the list goes on, right? Yeah, yeah. Talk more about some of the, the startups in your portfolio. Yeah, we are always happy to talk about our companies. And just as Karen said, they're really across all industries and they represent kind of a very broad sector of industries because every industry is affected by climate change. Um, one of the companies that we're really excited about um, as you mentioned in the fashion industry, actually spun out of Northwestern University. It's called Benny, and they have a software tool that helps you shop for secondhand alternatives to new clothing. So you can mm -hmm. use their browser extension or their mobile app to find, say, a jacket. If you're looking for a Patagonia jacket, you could find something that is used on some of the many, many um, sites that actually aggregate used clothing. Benny helps you find that a little bit more easily. It's very hard to recycle clothing, and a lot of the used clothing that is discarded ends up in landfill and ends up actually heavily polluting uh, developing countries. So they're trying to sort of chip away at that problem. Yeah. And Karen, you and I have talked about this problem, right? Fast fashion and, and textile waste and what all of that can cause. Back up a little bit and remind us of, of the issue here. Yeah, absolutely. The, the global textile industry has essentially doubled in the last 15 years. People are buying more clothing, they're wearing it less often, and the majority of that is ending up in landfills and it's ending up as a global environmental challenge. It's part of what's impacting our oceans ultimately. Mm -hmm. uh, and so preventing that is an incredible opportunity that an individual can actually do in their daily life. Uh, and so it's an interesting way to think about this global trend of this huge growth in textiles and also recognizing that growth has been accompanied by an increase in petroleum in the actual textiles. So that stretch that is typically in much clothing in the majority now, mm -hmm. that's very, very hard to recycle ultimately. So reducing that is huge. And so it's very interesting when you think about a practical tool that someone could use right now, while there are other policy tools that might be needed to do some of the larger transformation. When you're deciding, Amy, whether to invest in a startup, how do you vet the business? Yeah, yeah. At the early stage, you know, you're really trying to believe that they're going after a very large market. Sometimes someone will come to us with an idea, but it's very niche and it's very, um, its application sort of in the broader market might be a little limited. So we're looking for something that could address a very large market, could grow to become a billion dollar business. Mm -hmm. Um, we heavily um, vet the founders. And so again- What are some key questions you ask? Yeah, so we're looking, do they have any kind of relevant experience? Have they done this before? We do tend to invest in a lot of first time CEOs, but we're looking for some kind of relevant business experience, some sector expertise, some relationships that they're gonna bring that will help them you know, um, win customers. And then, um, and then we're also 
because we're investing in software, you can get pretty far along with not too much money to create um, uh, a minimally viable product, as you as you would say, in the software space, and you could get some pilot customers. So a lot of times we want to talk to those customers too, and that's mm. very helpful to hear. Okay, what are the customers saying? Even if they're trying it for free or they're you know just paying a little bit for the solution today, like how is it impacting their business? Yeah. Now, uh, initially, uh, I understand, Amy, that you were working in an entirely different field. Yeah, yeah. Why did you want to shift into climate solutions? Well, I spent the first, oh gosh, uh, you know, first half of my career working in consumer technology, and I spent 20 years in California, including my time at Stanford University, but returned to the Chicago area to raise my family. I wanted to raise my young daughters. I have two daughters, Lucy and Sydney, who are now teenagers. Um, young adults and wanted them to grow up near my family where I grew up. But I turned to climate. Um, I actually was um, had a, a bout of uh, a sickness earlier, younger, uh, at a younger time in my life. And my recovery was very much tied to the environment and being healthy and being outdoors. And I really viewed the outdoors as sort of my therapy, uh, both mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. And so after I recovered from that and after I had my daughters, I felt very determined to want to work in a field that I felt was going to create um, a better life for the future generations and it would make things better for my daughters and their kids and my grandkids. And I just felt like I needed that satisfaction from my work. And so my husband was supportive and I kind of switched from consumer technology and over into um, environmental and climate solutions. Yeah, that's a, a great, great pivot. And I, I hear Karen, you've done a pivot too. I mean, you've had this long and very impactful career advancing climate goals, but what was that shift like for you? Well, similar to Amy, it, it's amazing to be able to align what you do with what you love and the impact that it can have. And uh, I started out as an investment banker. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a client that actually did some metals recycling. So I was able to see little bits and pieces of how markets and mission can really align and how traditional skill sets can drive change. But they're one of the many skill sets mm -hmm. that is needed. And uh, was lucky enough to continue to find those ways that in my traditional roles in consulting and investment banking, I was able to work on climate and sustainability solutions. But they're so big and there's so much opportunity. Um, I was lucky enough to make that full switch. And part of the switch actually was spending my free time making a documentary film on solutions to climate change. Yeah. And it's really that solution space that is the one we all need to grow. Well, we're, we're certainly happy here on Reset that you made the pivot. You're welcome. <laughs> Though we've talked to you about banking in the past, I think that the worlds have collided. Uh, I want to talk about trends, Amy, that you're seeing for 2024. Do you anticipate the climate tech sector to continue to grow? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of anticipation around the deployment of some of the funding from the federal government, from the Inflation Reduction Act, and how that's going to help grow investments in the category in renewable energy and electric vehicles and building efficiency and sort of a, a number of categories. Um, and a lot of folks are, you know, really have a lot of urgency to sort of make use of those funds um, in the very, very near term. So that's going to um, create more investment opportunities. And I think there's so many young people that have moved into this sector and are looking for jobs in this area. And a lot of them are actually starting to create companies. So you're seeing this at the universities. A lot of the student-led businesses are themed around sustainability. And we're very, very encouraged that, you know, the quality of startups that we're seeing is very, very high and, mm -hmm. and an enormous volume, a really marked difference. I've been in the climate space for 18 years and I've never seen so much talent coming into the space. Really, What do you think made the difference? I think as the urgency around the impacts of climate change became so much more obvious, I think this sort of younger generation, Gen Z and millennials are like, 
wow, we don't want to live in a world where we can't have clean air and water, where our livelihoods are threatened, where we aren't hopeful about the future. That idea of sort of climate anxiety is very real. You know, young people, that it's very palpable. Uh, I certainly felt it and feel it, but I think it's very, very real. And it is hopefully going to be a major motivation for people to vote in the, um, the fall elections. I, I hope that we can mobilize folks to sort of look for elected leaders who are very, very progressive on these issues because we've honestly, we don't have much time to sort of address this problem. We've got to sort of step it up. Amy, as you've been building Buoyant, it's a space that's also been growing. So if you go 10 years ago, there wasn't really a climate VC field. And now you're not the only fund out there. What is happening in the field overall? Yeah, there is a lot of new funding that has come into the category, and uh, we're excited about that because it's like we won't have to build these companies on our own. Um, but also, we started, um, I was one of the co-founders along with Michael Polsky and Nick Pritzker of the Clean Energy Trust, which has been rebranded to be Evergreen Climate Innovations here in Chicago. And it's um, it's actually a nonprofit that's dedicated to funding very early stage businesses, some of which um, are more of the hard technology companies that spin out of labs and universities. And they're working alongside universities in the Midwestern United States, as well as Argonne National Lab to get these companies started. But to your point, Karen, we the reason we started that organization was there was very little early stage investment capital at the time. And none of the universities at the time had angel funds to fund these spinouts. Mm -hmm. Now they all have angel funds. So it's exciting to see the capital that's moved into the space. And um, and we're excited. I mean, Evergreen's gone on to fund now, I think over 45 early stage businesses has been around for 14 years um, and going strong. And I think there's still a need to sort of be that first check because these are very difficult companies to fund. But if they can put their money in, then funds can follow them, like Buoyant can follow them, other funds can follow them mm -hmm. into these deals and have a real impact. How's AI coming into play in climate tech? Yeah, this is one of our specialties and it's exciting to see what OpenAI and all of these um, GPT large language models have done to spur interest and investment. And this is one of the areas that we are going to be very, very focused on. We already, in our portfolio of the 13 companies we've invested in, um, more than half of them are already using artificial intelligence in some core wow. way. Um, but this idea that you can now use large language models to um, to do some really important things around material science discovery and speeding up some of the experimentation that can create new sustainable materials, new fuels, new sort of climate resistant crops. Um, AI can be very helpful to, to, to um, assist the scientists in reviewing patent applications, publications, other academic journals, and kind of get them focused on the right solutions so that when they get into the lab and they start experimenting, they have um, a little bit clearer target yeah. of what they're trying to create. So that's an area that Buoyant's going to be very focused on, and we're seeing, boy, a ton of companies that are kind of coming out now leveraging these tools. Absolutely. I, I imagine if a startup says, hey, we've got a climate solution that uses AI, your, your ears perk up. <laughs> uh, the market for EVs, electric vehicles and electric charging, that's growing fast. I was just at the auto show this week and almost everything there is electric. Yeah, right? All the yeah. test drives are, I mean, I test drove two vehicles, all electric. Um, but what is it going to take for the U.S. To, to generate much more of its electricity from solar and wind. Yeah, yeah. well, already we, are, uh, gosh, more than half of the new generation today in the U.S. is from renewable sources, uh, which is really exciting. And um, 
we've got to speed up permitting. So one of the big constraints right now, there's two big problems. One is how do you speed up the permitting and the development process? So once you've identified a good location, like how can you make it a little easier for the developers to get that project in the ground? And the other thing that's happening is when you've got a project, how do you connect it to the grid? So the grid is this like amazing machine, right? That's been around for a uh, hundred years, over a hundred years. And when you want to bring new power onto the grid, there's a queue right now um, that is slowing down a lot of this new generation. And there's there's a big you know backlog of folks that want to build these projects. And there's engineers sitting at the grid operators that are trying to figure out how to connect these projects onto the grid. And that's one of the biggest bottlenecks, I think, to getting more renewable energy. So transmission, permitting, and getting things sort of turned on on the grid. What do you think, Karen? Well, there's absolutely the questions of how do we get more renewables on the grid. And I think, and Amy's absolutely nailed it, there's some specific structural barriers right now, but we're also seeing huge growth. And it, there's the utility scale side, and there's also the very small local side. So we're seeing growth in a place like Chicago where you have more solar on roofs. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're seeing much larger installations going in in areas that are typically less populated that can feed into the full grid. So you're seeing it on both sides. It also gets to the question of, how do you make sure that all of that solar is even more efficient when it's in place, as well as bring on new, more efficient solar? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Leave us with this, Amy. Some advice for business leaders who, who do want to take on climate in a more real way. Yeah. Where do they start? Well, first of all, I think if you're a large established company, um, trying to create some strategy around reducing your own company emissions and creating a goal around decarbonizing your business, I think is a very impactful start. And I think that that would uh, signal to your employees, to your customers, to your shareholders that you're serious about this. And there's a lot of young companies and consultants and other folks that can help you do that. Um, if you're thinking about starting a company, Boy, there's so many resources available today. There's so many incubators in different cities around the the, the country. You know, mm -hmm. a place like Evergreen Climate Innovations um, will help you get started. We'll, we'll write that first check. Um, and I think that just reaching out and looking online and, and reading some of the resources, uh, Climate Tech VC is a wonderful newsletter that has great updates on latest funding. There's jobs in these industries. Yeah. If you just look at the Buoyant website or anybody who's funding these early stage businesses, a lot of young people who approach me will say, how do I get started? And you can just look at the um, the venture funds in the category that are making these investments and go to right. the websites of those young companies and apply and get a job with one of these startups. Fantastic. That's Amy Francetic, co-founder and managing general partner of Buoyant Ventures and Karen Weiger, Reset Sustainability contributor. Thank you both. Thank you, Thank Sasha. You. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Linnea Dominic, edited by Dan Tucker, and mixed by Brenda Ruiz. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the pod to keep up on the latest Chicago area news on politics, the arts, the environment, and much more. And while you're there, let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. We'll be back this afternoon with more Reset. Talk to you then. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.